I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was, yeah, terrified. At the end of the day, I didn't have to just kind of break the expectations of what everyone else thought of me. I had to, to, you know, exceed my own expectations of myself. Welcome to The Best Bits with Lily and Alice. We'd like to recognise the traditional peoples of this continent whose land was stolen nearly 250 years ago. In particular, we at The Best Bits would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which this podcast is being recorded today. And we extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello, G'day. darling. How you doing? I'm, um, oh, I just got super liked on Bumble. <laughs> oh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. No, I um, I'm outside. Oh Dogs move. I'm outside because um, it's my internet's not working. So I'm actually outside at my neighbor's house. So I apologise profusely for the rain and the birds. But I'm um, I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, I'm good actually. I'm really good. I went for a surf yesterday for the really? first time in ages, which was so nice. So I'm feeling very so refreshed. Nice. Yeah, very good. Very good. I'm in a mood. Yeah, she's in a mood. I'm just in a mood. Tell me your quote. Tell me your quote. Uh, honestly, <sighs> far out. <laughs> Why is everything so hard? <laughs> um, okay, my quote is very fitting to my mood right now. It's manage okay. your reactions but do not suppress your emotions. I like it. So talk us um, through your mood. By Young Pablo. Yeah, young playboy. playboy. Um, what's the mood? Love what? you, a young playboy. Mood is. I feel like I. Do you know those days where you just wake up and you're just like, "This isn't going to be a productive day. I'm probably mm. not going to achieve a hell of a lot." I feel mm. like not motivated, very down. I feel like mm. I feel like overcast weather. That is the mood I'm in. Overcast. Wow. Like you can still do shit, but it's like it's just. You know, so I feel like that's the mood, and and I was talking to Lou off mic before. I feel um, 
I went to a wedding over the weekend, which is so good. I loved it. Had such a good time. My first wedding. Broke my wedding virginity. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think I came back and I'm like, wow, I really want that. Like I really want to have somebody that I love and that loves me and I just want that so bad. And I just like ha- randomly got like super anxious last night. I was like, oh, my gosh, like – I feel really sad that I don't have that. And then, you know, I got in my head and then a few other things going on that's kind of in my head. But um, I can't even remember your question. <laughs> no, you answered it perfectly. What's the mood? And I, I 100% get that. Like I said to you, it's so, it's so valid to feel that way when you see other people in love and, and, and having that. It's so normal to want that. And so there's mm. nothing wrong with you feeling that way. And I think it's something that we've all felt. You all feel like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll probably be the one person, you know, that doesn't find anyone and I'll have to, you know, be, be lonely and all that. And mm-hmm. it's, a valid, it's, it's a valid thing to feel, but it's just not true. And, you know, as much as I can remind mm. you, you know, yeah. how absolutely deserving you are, like it will happen when it happens. But. It's so it's so fair to feel that way, and I've definitely felt that before. Just like I think probably every single one of our listeners have, you know. And I think it, of course, mm-hmm. it's going to affect the mood and how you mm-hmm. feel. But just to be aware of it, I think, is super important, and you definitely are. Um, and you know, like I said to you as well, like yeah. if you were someone that I feared would settle for something because they just wanted love and and they were lonely then like you know we'd be having a discussion right now but I know that you're not gonna you know that you would never do that so <laughs> I just think the way you feel is is fair and valid and you know feel that it's it's okay to feel that mm-hmm. mm. yeah 100% I think that's like because it's like yeah it's like uh, I think I'm just getting a bit frustrated with everything at the moment like with it all and I don't know it's like yeah it's really weird because literally two weeks ago I did an episode of how to be happy single and now I'm here like fucking hell I'm so lonely <laughs> but it just shows you right like that you yeah. know um, manage your emotions or sort of suppress don't manage your reactions but don't suppress your emotions and like right now mm-hmm. I know that I feel really lonely and I feel sad and things but that doesn't mean that I am unworthy it doesn't mean that I am and I need to go and you know fucking marry the next person I see like it just yeah. means that I'm a bit sad at the moment and I wouldn't mind to have a relationship but it also means that like you know I, there's so many pros as well to not having a relationship in my situation like I can go to bed at 6 p.m and not talk to anyone like I can just like be in my own sad little cave for a bit and just not talk to anyone like you know which sounds so fucking miserable now I say it out loud <laughs> But, like, I think sometimes you're just in those moods where you're just like, ugh. Yeah, it's just life. Like, that is actually life. And I think that's what our community of this podcast really like about this podcast is that we're real and we don't just, you know, pretend that everything's okay when it's not. And, Mm. you know, I think that's that's a really important part of life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm having a bit of a I'm in a bit of a Debbie Downer mood. That's yeah. A, yeah. But apart from that, okay. fantastic. Yeah. So that's obviously <laughs> your worst of the week, that feeling. 
my worst of the week is that feeling yeah and you know what's cool is like I know it will pass which is epic like I know that this feeling will be here forever I used to get scared of this feeling but now I'm like you know what it's just gonna pass I'll be fine um my best of the week was my best of the week actually I saw a friend this morning who I hadn't seen in a year she's one of my best mates she moved to London last year um and the best moment was Ziggy and her like are so close like her Ziggy and her hang out, or used to hang out all the time and Ziggy saw her like down at the bottom of the beach and just ran straight up to her and was just like literally I reckon he jumped like over her like so high he was so excited and it was just so it's such a wholesome moment when you when you know like that your dog just loves one of your best mates so much that it, like yeah and it just doesn't forget these people who've That's done such so a beautiful. beautiful job in raising him. That is mm. so beautiful. Yeah. I love that he remembered her. That's so sweet. Yeah, so cute. It's so Aww. cute. He was so happy. Like I, like, cause it's Annie. I like say Annie's here. Annie's here. Like, and he knows it. There he is. Huh, he just came out. Um, he knows the name. It's so cute. It's that like, is yo, so yeah. Adorable. Little things. Aww. And you know what I was talking yeah. to my mate about? Mm. I was, I was saying like. I think you shared it actually, yeah, about like how like little things like and actually I don't remember if I talked to you about this or not, but like I feel like when I'm in a sad mood or a, a low mood or whatever, I forget about I forget about those little things like, you know, when I'm in like a really happy, excitable, wholesome mood, like I'm like, oh, my gosh, the sunrise is so amazing. Like, oh, that's so cute that Ziggy did this or oh, that's so sweet. Look at that rock that looks like a love heart. Like I'm so observant. But then when I'm yeah. in a sad, flat mood, it's like that just goes away. It's so – it's like I have a, like a, a cloud that's like – or like there's like dust on the mirror that just like doesn't enable me to see those things. It's the most yeah. peculiar thing in it. Yeah, I don't know if you have like a psychological explanation to that, but it's strange. Mm. Well, I think it just comes back to, you know, when you're when you're in that good mood, you're searching for good things. When you're in that bad mood, you're just searching for other bad things. Yeah, like kind of how it works. True. I think, you know, it's it's yeah, yeah. You know, you're always going to find very true. for what you're looking for, and yeah, it's just a matter. That's right. Of, when you're in that mood, you're just looking for other shittier things to just confirm that shitty feeling that you feel. And that's super normal. It's super, super yeah. normal. Yeah. Like, to be aware of, I guess, for all yeah. of us. Yeah, that's right. How interesting mm. is that? Mm. Anyway, how are you? Enough about me, my fucking <laughs> shit. <laughs> How's your best oh. bit, worst bit? My best bit and my worst bit. I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling good. My best bit is we've been traveling around with a few mates that we've made on the road which has been so nice like we've got a bit of a a bit of a crew of like seven of us that mm-hmm. we've been traveling around with and last night it was amazing wow. we um phrase was fishing um i was actually recording the quick bit and phrase was fishing in we were just camping by this uh river and he caught like seven brim and we cooked them over the fire and what? we all had like a whole fish each. It was for dinner. It was amazing. Wow. It was just like beyond. Like wow, that's so epic. And chili and like, oh, it was so good. Um, so that's probably my best. And then my worst. That's so cool. Yeah, is so cool. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my worst is kind of just a funny one, but it was really annoying at the time. Um, we were mm-hmm. phrase again was fishing. He's obsessed with fishing. Um, on a beach, and we were <laughs> we were parked on the beach, and I had a couple sessions back to back, and so I left yeah. the back door um, just open so that, like the breeze could come in while I was on a session. And mm-hmm. like sessions mm-hmm. with me, like they're pretty deep. Like we really like getting into things, and you can't really interrupt it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm midway through this sure. session. And the wind just changes and all of this sand is just blowing at me into the car right no on me. Like, it was thick, thick sand and I just, I was so aware of it the whole time I'm in this session trying to do the best for my client and not focus on it but just knowing that all this sand was coming into the van. And then at the end of the oh. session... I couldn't even like do anything about it or fix it. Like I just went and like closed the door that this thick layer of sand was there and I couldn't even do anything about it because I had to then jump onto another session. And so it was just like, oh, it was everywhere. And then we had to like take everything out of the van after, clean it all. Like, oh, it was just the worst. in vans. Yup. It was so yuck. Well done on like just not doing having to yuck. It was took every every ounce of like mental resiliency to not just freak out because sand in the van like oh it's so bad. Um, It's yeah yeah. Fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, it was so honestly. Honestly, it was the worst. So hundred percent, that's the worst of my week. But I mean. Again, in the scheme of things, she's she's nothing, but it sucked. Um, and then my quote, it's from Gabby Bernstein, who I really like. She's like, um, she does a lot of manifestation stuff. Um, so it's, no amount of guilt can solve the past and no amount of anxiety can change the future. And I really like that. Fuck yeah. Yeah, really, really good one. And, yeah, I think, like, a lot of us, and it's come up in a couple of sessions lately, like, this thing of guilt, like, a lot of people feeling these feelings of guilt yes. of the past and and not even guilt yes. in the way that you would normally think of guilt, like, I've done something really bad and, and now I feel guilty. It's, like, I I think like almost like the way that we treat ourselves, like feeling guilty for that. And like a lot of, you know, I've had like a few sessions lately where we've had like really big breakthroughs in our first session. And then, you know, a lot of my clients say like, I just feel so guilty for wasting so much time of my life on this anxiety or this way that I was treating myself. Like it's a really interesting thing. And yeah, so I think that quote's good. It's like Mm. no amount of saying that. So you've just got to keep going. Like, yeah, don't worry about it. You've just got to keep going because nothing's going to change that, and that's okay. Exactly, and mm. you, and that's okay. That's right. Like, you know, I guess it's like self acceptance, right? Like, you've got to accept mm. what is and what has been, and move through that and move past it. Like, I had a session with yep. somebody before around body image, and it was like you can 
you can only change so much. However, most of it you can't. So you've got to accept, I mean, it's not this easy, but like accepting things is so important when it comes to, to so many things in life. And it doesn't mean that you're giving up or it doesn't mean that you don't care. It's like, because you have no other option, you allow this to make you suffer or you let it go and do what you can right now to control the controllables. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's all about that. Yeah, acceptance. Mm. We should probably do like a whole freaking episode on that, to be honest, because there's so much. We should, there. shouldn't we? Yeah, and Al and I mm. are going to do That's a very um, good some point. more solo apps as well. Um, we have been very correct. guest heavy, haven't we? The, it's a lot, like which is great. Mm. We love guests, but I we think that them. you know, there's some things that we want to share, which you know, I think that. Will be difficult to share when we're a guest, so I think that'll be actually, yeah. yeah. We'll do one that maybe that can be the next one. We'll see. Yeah, see what the yeah. fields are feeling. Yeah, I reckon. Mm. I reckon. But today's episode, we feel so grateful that we got to chat to Akana. She, um, so Akana yeah. is this incredible athlete, an endurance athlete, and she ran 150 marathons in 150 days from the top of Queensland, is that correct? From the Cape to Melbourne. I believe it was. I believe it was. Um, yes. And maybe. she yes. is just, I believe you're right. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. Like her mentality and the the way she speaks and, and how she got through a hundred, like think about that, 150 marathons in 150 days. Like what the fuck? Um, bizarre. Like it, yeah. yeah. I mean, incredibly bizarre, but like, yeah. Heck, you can't even, it's not even something that you can think of like your brain. My brain doesn't compute that. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Mine definitely doesn't compute it. And, oh, she's just incredible. And we speak a lot about, you know, um, I guess, you know, the inequality as well between men and women yeah. in these endurance sports mm-hmm. and in terms of media coverage and and all of that she is just yeah. incredible so yeah i hope you guys love this episode and go give her a follow her instagram is tip to toe and yes. she's always posting really cool yes. content really epic stuff yeah she's mm. out of this world so yeah support her we love it we cannot thank Kana for coming on and saying to us we learned a lot of things especially around resilience Absolutely. So enjoy uh, Akana. Akana Murray Bartlett is an Aussie household name and for a good reason. Not only has Akana achieved a remarkable feat and just broken the world record for 150 consecutive marathons in a row, but she has also made it her mission to raise awareness and funds for a meaningful cause during her journey, 130K raise for the Wilderness Society. After 6,330 kilometers, 10 pairs of shoes, and a whole lot of resilience, Akana crossed the finish line in Melbourne after six insane months of running. Not only did it take extreme physical strength for Akana to complete this distance, but her resilience and strength mentally is something we are both in absolute awe of. The reason why we wanted to talk to and share Akana's story isn't only to show the possibility of the mind and the body, but also to shine light on women in sport and how she, among others, have experienced the gaps between genders on what is shown and not shown within the media. Akana, thank you so much for jumping on today. We are so excited to share your story and, yeah, get chatting about everything that's been going on for the past several months for you. 
Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited about this. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Akana? I know that's a very broad thing, but give us a little bit of a rundown of who Akana is outside and inside of running. Yeah, of course. So outside of running is is smaller than inside of running. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, sometimes it feels like that though. So yeah. uh, I, I am a nutritionist and oh. um, yeah, a trainer. So I've spent um, a lifetime in kind of the allied health field and then into food. And I've kind of then went down the rabbit hole of working in like food supply, but it's always kind of been in and around food um, and yeah coaching and training and just within that space. So it's my passion. I love everything about the the human body, what we're capable of doing, what we love to do, move, get outside. Um, yeah. And I'm also a passionate lover of just exploring outdoors. So yeah, ever since I was a kid, I've just been setting myself these challenges that kind of grew and grew and grew um, until it yeah grew up to the size of what tip to toe was so yeah I mean sometimes they're little it'll be like I remember all my life growing up uh, in the Yarra Valley I used to run to this bridge that I thought was so far away and I used to try and race myself there kind of every day um, <laughs> going back with a Garmin it's only like 1500 meters but I used oh. to think it was the longest <laughs> run ever um, it's a bit embarrassing but yeah um that's probably, I, I now live on the Gold Coast. I've only moved up here really only a few weeks ago mm. and I love it. It's in Burley Heads. It's kind of the, the, the contrast between the, the hinterlands and the beach is just mm. like such a good lifestyle balance. Wow. I think it's so interesting, hey, when you look back at your childhood and you realize like it was kind of foregrounding what you know, you've done now, right? Like even if it was, yeah. you know, one and a half Ks or something, like that's quite long for little legs, I'm sure. I want to know, like, was there anything that happened or like, you know, you experienced within your childhood, especially when it comes to what you're passionate about now with wilderness, with outdoors that kind of helped foreshadow everything that's gone on now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's shaped who I was where I grew mm. up. So yeah. I had this deep connection to the Yarra Valley because, yeah, the way I see the world is through the eyes of that childhood. And we had a lot of animals growing up. We had, we started off with, I think, three chickens that at one point escalated to about 40 or 50 chickens. And they just used to roam through our property. Um, ducks, we had horses, you know, we had a dog, we had goats. Um, but then throughout that, I would go and explore. And I had that kind of, I was, yeah, setting off air. I have three sisters in five years. So there's four of us all very close in age. And my poor mom, couldn't really handle it at the time. So she had a rule. She's like, leave after breakfast, come home for dinner. And maybe these days that's not a very kind of caring attitude, but that's just how it was in the 90s when I was a kid. And so we sort of had to fend for ourselves in the bush. And I loved it. I wouldn't change it for the world because I used to run around and see kidneys and kind of see roots and just kind of almost in a weird way make friends with all the animals that were around me. And, um, yeah, as I got older and, realized that you know Australia has this huge extinction crisis uh which I didn't know back then I thought oh wow this was such a beautiful childhood and if it's not there for for future generations of kids that's earth shattering Mm, that's such a a a purpose-driven motivation you know for your achievements have you always been I guess a, a sporty kid or was it kind of different challenges I guess that brought you to where you are um or has it always been sort of like fitness based I've always been a sporty kid hands down 
Um, yeah. yeah, I'm very competitive on a sporting front, but just love to move. I think mm. I wouldn't say I'm addicted to exercise, but it'd be very close. Like I have to do something every day. Otherwise I feel mm. caged. Um, mm. So I actually played every sport under the sun growing up and running was just something I did. So I was fit for sport. Mm. Um, when I was, I, I played soccer through my teenage years and actually went to university in the States on a soccer scholarship. So that was my passion. It's all I thought about except soccer dreams. Um, and then I moved to London and played soccer. And I didn't even get into running, didn't even know it was something that you did that was not just being fit for your actual sport. Yeah. Um, to me, running was the beep test. You know, it was like stuff you did around the field. Um, and I was always good at it. And I knew that I was good at it because I would go to Europe for summer, come home, and everyone had put on like 7 to 10 kgs. And I had to, but you know, we'd do a beep test and I'd still range like stupidly high. And it was weird. Everyone was like, how do you do this? I don't know. Um, Mm. So when I I turned 23 and moved into Melbourne in a a share house, as we all do, and um, I wanted to meet people that weren't the three groms that I lived with. So I went down to the end of my street and um, there was an athletics track. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, everyone tells you you're good at this. So I started running. I I joined a group there. Um, and on the very first night, the people were amazing. The the session was amazing. I had a proper workout. I thought, oh, this is awesome. Um, I literally didn't miss a session for like years after that. So I fell in love with it straight yeah. away. That's incredible. It's so funny to think that if that situation had have been different, mm-hmm. if maybe they hadn't have been as nice or yeah. you hadn't have joined it as much, you wouldn't have broken the world record that you have like that's Isn't amazing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and, and then like track running was all I did still so it was a long progression into marathons mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. never one of those things like I'd always love to run a marathon it's just like yeah I did the shorter stuff because as a soccer player that's what I was good at and mm. yeah for years and my coach kept telling me you have the body to be a marathon runner and I used to watch the marathons because I would do the 10K or even the half and they'd cross the finish line and they just looked horrendous. Like they had, you know, grimaces and they would be yeah. like just crawling. I'm like, who in their right mind wants to do that? You know, that looks yeah. so bad. <laughs> so it took so much convincing for me to try one. <laughs> yeah. When did you do your first yeah. Um, like, yeah, six years later, uh, I said, all right. Um, it was actually not only my coach, but my teammate who joined my club at the same time ended up being an absolute superstar and went to represent Australia in the Commonwealth games for the marathon and just watching how good she got, but also naturally I am a better marathon. Like that is my sword. It's what my body's designed to do. So naturally I was developing into a more endurance-based athlete. You know, I was coming like last in the short events and, you know, top three in the longer events. And so it all kind of clicked naturally. Uh, And, yeah, my coach, I guess having trained my teammate, Jin, was like, oh, well, Jin smashed her first marathon at Carnival too. So we went out and paced two hours 45 on debut um, and that was a gold code two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, it was it was so stupid and uh, loved. Like I was up to the challenge. This is the thing about me is if you send me a challenge, I'm gonna I'm like yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, and so this is kind of the first <laughs> lesson of knowing where my limits aren't. Um, <laughs> went out, got got fifteen k's in, felt great. Got sixteen k's in, felt awful. Um, and then yeah, managed to crawl back to 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 the thirty k mark, which happened to be at the start finish line, and just yeah collapsed in a heap so oh my, my first marathon <laughs> wow. wow when 
I guess like when we're talking about like what happened over the past six months or so with the 150 marathons in 150 days, like why, why, like, why did you choose that? Like what led you to go, I want to run 150 marathons. Like one marathon's like pretty insane. Like 150 is a bit, you know, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a few whys. Um, like, like three kind of key whys. So, so off the back of that failed marathon, I learned my lesson and I actually got quite good. So I was competing internationally in the marathon and I had a few kind of key runs in 2009 when I was my, sorry, 19, when I was my fittest. And I just was really unlucky. I got an injury in Berlin. I had a bad weather event in Brighton in the UK and I got, Mm. uh, yeah, I was going to Tokyo, but the the flight was, Mm. sorry, the race was cancelled for COVID. And then Mm. we plunged into a lockdown. So here'd me, I'd I'd kind of nailed two or three years of training. I just didn't get the opportunity to really Mm. nail a marathon. But anyway, I guess the purpose of that was, that was now my core event. It was my favourite event. I was good at it. Um, And I had a real good relationship with that distance. Um, The actual tip to toe was a childhood dream I'd had from when I'd set myself goals when I was, you know, knee high to a grasshopper and I would be running through the bush in the Arrow Valley. And I always said to myself, it would be so incredible to run from Cape York to Melbourne and or from the top to the bottom because I didn't know what Cape York was back then. And, you know, that childhood idea was so much more romanticised mm. than what the reality of Tito actually was. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible but, um, that it was all the way back then. All the way back then. And so I guess being fit, having launched, yeah, being in the best shape of my career, my running career, Mm. into lockdown, an outdoor kid who had this dream to run the length of the country, who was kind of itching for some fresh air and a challenge. So it was a childhood dream that kind of sprang back to life, was taken off the shelf, dusted off in COVID and kind of planned in COVID. Um, and it was interesting because I, I'm really confident in my in my physical capabilities, but I'm not confident in my mental strength. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the extra thinking time in COVID allowed me to really kind of think about what it would take to reach this potential. And then, you know, like what I would need to do mentally to be able to get through it. So it was a really interesting mm-hmm. kind of thought process. Can I do it? But the 150 marathons developed this is a long-winded story I'm sorry but the 150 marathons developed later in the piece because the original goal was just to get from Cape York to Melbourne any way I could like A to B right and I would run kind of 20k a day if I felt like it 40k or 50k if I felt like it take a rest day um and it was actually my partner who was kind of helping me market this and he goes oh did you know that the record for the most consecutive marathons is 106 like you could do that you're kind of doing it anyway um, so, and it was interesting at the time because I wasn't getting a lot of sponsorship or media traction. No one really was interested. Yeah. And I was like, this is so disappointing because I, at the very least, had like the minimums I needed to make this mm. a viable expedition. And the second we said, hey, I'm going for the Guinness World Record, it went boom, 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 boom. So I thought, right. oh, you know, shit, now I've got this pressure to actually get the record. <laughs> whoops oh <laughs> my so goodness it was like oh sorry it was like a, it was it was a kind of a 
something that came later in the piece, but the second I committed to it, I thought I can do this. And then it became all I thought about. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the final why was the cause, which was, um, yeah. So I partnered with the wilderness society because mm. I wanted to make a stand for Australian at-risk wildlife. I wanted to counteract a bad world record is the fact that we are world leaders in biodiversity loss with a good world record, which would be, you know, running the length of the country, breaking this Guinness World Record for most consecutive marathons, showcasing and shedding light on the best kind of national parks Australia has to offer and the, and the local animals that are under threat in each of those regions that I ran through. Incredible. I think that I I I think that's an insane story. Do you know what I want to know? You mentioned before around you have so much um, kind of confidence in your physical abilities, mm. but your mental strength, you kind of lacked that confidence. How did you build this mental resilience through COVID? And like, was there something you did like consciously or did it just kind of happen? Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I was, yeah, terrified. At the end of the day, I didn't have to just kind of break the expectations of what everyone else thought of me. I had to, to, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, exceed my own expectations of myself. So I thought, wow, can I actually do that? And I mean, I, I now realize it in reflection that I've got kind of four key things that I lent on in this space. Um, and the first one, I guess, was for me embracing the fact that it would be hard and knowing that hard work isn't a bad thing that, you know, if you do something hard, you, you're not only just breeding patience and, and mental and physical strength, but you're breeding resilience. And for me, hard was getting mm-hmm. to the start line as much as the actual run. Like hard was Ask, you know, I had, you know, a private Instagram account with 800 followers. So I had to go, hi, track about campers. Will you give me a $60,000 camper trailer so I could take it to the Cape with zero forward drive experience because I could run back to Melbourne. And they're just like, sure. You know, I didn't have an influence to have any sway for sponsorship. Um, and then once I finally get to the, to the start line, then having to, you know, this, the, the overwhelming feeling of running day in, day out, you know, yeah. the fear of failure, the fear of injury. But I embraced the hard work because that's what I was excited to see is is that what my physical limits were. So that was my first kind of thing I did was just say every time I got hard, you expected this, it wouldn't be a world record if it wasn't hard. Mm. You know, um, what's the quote? It, it, any, oh, I can't remember. It's like something like anywhere worth going. It's not easy to get somewhere worth going or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, 
And then the second one, yeah, was focus on resilience. And resilience for me wasn't my capacity. It wasn't my capacity to endure. It was my mm. capacity to recover so I could endure mm. again. So I put a lot of focus on making sure every day I could get up and go the next day. Um, you know, if I ran too fast for one marathon, I would be tired the next day. If I ran too slow, that was too much time on my feet for mm. the next day. I would, you know, you have a really bad stomach, but I would make sure that I would eat enough so I would wake up fueled for the next day and so on and so forth. Um, and then the other two were, were trying to maintain a positive mindset throughout it because, you know, you can be running along and your watch hasn't beeped in like feels like hours, but you've only gone three or 400 metres and you've got this mm. huge flat road ahead of you. So I used to control my language. So I used to reframe what if I fail to what if I don't. Um, I used to practice gratitude and say, well, it's such a privilege to be out here following your dreams, you know, when there's so many people that can't actually physically do this, even if they wanted to. Um, I used to break down the enormity of the task at hand into smaller steps. Um, and you know, I wouldn't start a marathon every morning and go, oh, sorry, I wouldn't wake up and go, you have 106 marathons to go. I'd go, all right, you just have to get through this day. And even when that was too much, okay, you just have to get through the next 10 Ks or five Ks or sometimes like just get to that freaking tree. Mm. Um, and then when I did achieve one of those tasks that I set myself, the mini tasks, I would celebrate. I would say, Hey, you did that. That's awesome. Mm. Um, yeah. And I guess the, my final thing I tried to really lean on was self-belief and confidence in myself. And sometimes that's really hard because, you know, not, no one in the had had run this many marathons from the top to the bottom of the country before. It's you know, mm. I was the first person to do without a break, nonstop. Um, so I just tried to keep reminding myself that, yeah, whatever you get to, be proud of because you've never run two marathons before. So if you only get to sixty, you should be proud of that. And just constantly remind myself I'd already exceeded my expectations, so that let's just kind of now see how far you can go. That mindset is just so incredible. And I think it's one that, you know, whether you're running 150 marathons or you're doing something that to you is a big thing, that mindset of of gratitude and positive positive talk and reframing, like all of those things are just so, so powerful. But where did you learn that? How did how did you muster <laughs> that up? Because not everyone can do that. It's yeah, it's something that's so incredible. I think I must have got a lot of my confidence and self-belief from my parents. I grew up with four daughters. Um, I never really realized that there was any inequity in gender until I was a lot older and saw it as an adult. Um, And even then I had to get it pointed to me. I was just sort of a coincidence. So that's a testament to how well my parents raised me. Um, I could have been anything if I wanted to. They would have been like, sure, that's fine. There was no gender. You know, I played sport all my life cricket, tennis, uh, mm. soccer, like, yeah, for me, there was no, so that's probably them. And then I think my partner is probably the most positive and supportive person I know. So I'm really lucky that I've surrounded myself with people that have sort of taught me. Mm. And sometimes I think the, the whole challenge mindset and endurance mindset I must have been born with because I have, mm. it has obviously developed and gotten stronger and I've grown it, but it's just definitely been there. I've always chased things I've always set goals and set new goals in fact my learning in life is I need to 
celebrate it when I do something and not just immediately jump to the next thing. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we'd love to touch on that topic of gender that you just brought up. When did you begin to notice that, you know, there was a disparity in the way that men and women were treated in sport? And I guess, yeah, when did you, I guess, unfortunately realize that? It would have been when I was playing soccer because I remember Mm. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Yeah. And it was the first time mum was like, oh, why do you, like, there's not a lot of money in that, you know. Um, She wasn't Mm. discouraging me. She was just giving me the heads up that, you know, Mm. that's not like, oh, well, pay. you'll have to work as well. Because I remember she's like, you should go to university because you will want to work too. Mm. And I was like, oh, why? Most soccer players don't have to work. Um, Mm. And kind of then, and then I remember writing a paper in university and it sort of, yeah, opened my eyes to it all. And yeah, Mm. it's it's definitely getting better, which I really Mm. like. And I think the biggest way we can close that gap is by supporting women's sport. We have to, you know, from, from grassroots up, we need to, watch more sport because that's you know it, there's so many different ways we can improve it you know televised mm. rights and rah, rah, rah but yeah when I was 18 it was pretty much non-existent unless it was like yeah everything from sponsorship right through to opportunity right through to skills development and all of that so mm. yeah that's probably is why I stopped playing soccer there was a few other reasons I think just I wasn't also that good <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, you were a professional soccer player. You like you went to London for no, it. No, I was, had something, I was something going on. Oh. <laughs> I never got a dollar. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did you did you face any of those barriers? You know, you say you say it's getting better, and and I'm sure it absolutely is. But did you face any barriers coming into this challenge? Um, do you think purely because of your gender? Yeah, I mean. Potentially. The good thing is, again, there was only a small percentage of people that told me I couldn't do it. Mm. I was very, I think it's mainly, it could be a testament to um, yeah, the people I surround myself with, but also maybe my personality, like, oh, okay, she can probably do it. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, my pa was definitely gobsmacked that I was going to leave my my job, which was, you know, I just only got this incredible promotion a year prior. It's like, what are you doing? Um but I think I think so. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's quite obvious when you look at I start I started running say ten days before Ned Brockman did and kept mm-hmm. running for another what hundred days after or sorry eighty eighty days after, mm-hmm. um, and just the the sponsorship from the outset, the money that was funneled into to marketing um, versus what I got. I mean, I'm so lucky for the sponsors that I had, and I love them, and I've got a great relationship with them, but. Yeah, the financial difference mm. from the set was like worlds apart. <laughs> it's just, it's so disappointing. It's so disappointing, and you know, we think that we've yeah come so far, but there's all these little pockets in society that you know you don't often think about that it still mm-hmm. exists. Um, and I just think the fact that you did it anyway you know, whatever, you did it anyway, you kept going and you showed, you know, so much, I guess, gratitude for what you did have and what, you know, you were able to make out of it. I think that's just, it's so incredible. And I think it is like a testament to like a woman's spirit, like we're just going to do it anyway, you know? Well, for me, it was funny because 
you know, had I been the only one at the time crossing the country, it wouldn't have made any difference to me. I wouldn't have thought about it. I would have Mm. been so proud of what I'd achieved. And I wasn't running for notoriety at all. The reason Mm -hmm. I, I notoriety helps is because, you know, you're out there raising money for your cause and your passion and, and, you know, this thing that you hold really closely to your heart, you know. So mm. I raised $130,000, but had I had the same, you know, exposure, that could have been in the millions. And that yeah. all of this money goes to a cause that's like, for me, is doing incredible things for our country and our planet. Um, yeah. So I think that's the only time where I thought, oh, you know, more exposure could have been more beneficial. But for me personally, I'm very intrinsically motivated. I had mm. this personal goal of breaking this record and then further to that, getting to Melbourne. So mm. it wasn't so much about that because, you know, you're not getting paid to do this. So it doesn't really matter either way. Like yeah. neither, no one's getting paid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- I think for me, the exposure, um, yeah, just is only going to propel your cause to great heights. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, well, yeah, it is a really good point. I um, It's funny because, yeah, obviously we all heard about Ned Brockman and everything, but I, I only found out about you sort of I think maybe around, oh, I don't know, whenever it was that Hugh Van Kylenberg um, yeah. realised you and then I found out from that. and But you'd been doing it for so long and I'm like, why yeah. didn't I know about this earlier? Um. So yeah, it's a shame. I love that. Hugh. Shout out to Hugh. He he yes. messed up. Like, yes. I didn't know about this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it, right? And it's and to be honest, like yeah, again, and this is where I think it comes early on because you know uh, I was a small team. Um, it was just me and my partner. Um, mm. and self self funded. You know, we we received a lot of in kind donations, which was phenomenal. And that's the reason we could get going is because we got sponsored a camper trailer. Mm. I talk about and a few other bits and pieces and I was also really kind of careful to make sure my sponsors aligned with the cause so they had to be an eco-friendly company Australia I I wanted to really support local companies um which obviously small you know made my 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 kind of reach a little bit smaller again but you know Mm. when you're just a two-person team and you have to spend half of your day running it yeah the actually to be honest with you Half of the work, or you know, more what felt like the hardest part of Tip to Toe was just trying to constantly be sharing the message. So we would, I would run for four, four to five, six hours, and then we would film, and then Ryan would then edit for like you know four hours himself, and then we would call media. I was visiting schools about the cause more so than the run, um, just chatting to kids about goal setting and you know, the gen, just being able to do whatever you want, irrespective of age, background, gender, just mm. go and chase the dream. So it was like a, um, and then we'd be trying to, yeah, just hustle. So I would kind of get up at four and get to bed at like nine 30 every night. And they were just oh. full on. That's, that's big days. That's far huge. out. Yeah. I'm really still been- covered. Yeah, it's been six months and I sleep like for four hours a day still. Oh, <laughs> oh God. sorry, six weeks. Six weeks. It's been six weeks. Yeah, oh, I um, I really want to know like the like the intricate details that happened when you're like when you're actually on this sort of six mm. month journey because, like, <clears throat> I'm sure that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, like a marathon a day, right? Like five hours of your day. But like you mentioned, you know, you were also doing so many other things outside of that and talking to media, going to schools. Like, what did like. Like, and it was just you and your partner. Like that's 
insane amount of pressure to put on both of yourself. Like what was like, what was a day like, like when you would, when you were on the run and were there any days that really stand out to you in particular? Yeah, there's lots of days that stand out for various reasons, good and or bad. But um, mm. the, the days kind of when I would wake up at 4.30 because it was hot, like I ran through summer, so you'd have, oh, to, yeah. you'd have to leave really early. Um, I'd have a quick coffee. It started off like I packed all these oats, but then it just turned into like cereal and banana because it was faster. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd start running um, and it would either be an organised. So every day I would put my where I would start um on social media and so I was lucky that lots of people got around me and ran with me so I had a lot of people joining me so I would either be a meeting at the organized spot or if it was a solo run I would just go Mm. generally I would always head south um and you know I summited Everest eight times or the equivalent of this run so you know you'd be battling elevation and then heat um and just trying to race Mm. the clock to get back before the middle of the day um sometimes Rai would come with me on the bike we had a bike and he would film and kind of just get snippets and try and capture some of the scenery mm-hmm. and then he would race home and he would pack up the food and, and the camper trailer and then he would drive at 40 to 50 k south he would hand me water on the way and then go ahead and set up the camper again so it was this big mm-hmm. off-road camper that we'd pack up and set up every day um that also meant you know trying to find a spot that you could either free camp or then you know pay uh, finding food, finding a shower mm. or a river. <laughs> um, and then I would get home, I would eat, cry and sleep, but then I would usually have a school visit. So I would go to a school, spend a couple of hours there, come home, um, or it would be, say, I did a lot of community events where I'd get kind of taken to the local wildlife shelter or the local like um, wilderness society's volunteer-run group and do kind of a meet and greet there and hear their story and then share their story as well. Um, or I would do, say, yeah, a podcast or something media-related uh, or I would just get back because we had a few sponsor videos to make. So it was always yeah. something and then Rai would edit. I would just lie on the ground for a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. A little bit. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd cook dinner and then I was also really – I set myself this rule, which in hindsight might have been or kind of something I wanted to achieve, which, yeah, became quite challenging, but I wanted to get back to every single person that messaged me. Um, mm. So it was a really kind of – nice gesture that I'd set myself but it made it quite time consuming so that I would usually spend from like seven till nine just responding to everyone who had sent me messages of love throughout the day because I really felt it like when someone took the time out of their day to send me this well thought out voice message or you know photo of and people would send incredible messages like this people that I'd never met before sending me photos of their kids doing chores in the backyard to raise pocket money to donate to the cause like oh it would break my heart. So then I would, yeah, spend the time getting back to them and then, yeah, usually fall asleep by like nine o'clock. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a big day like without That's the running. <laughs> and then I guess you have to get up the next morning. Mm-hmm. How, what is that like when your alarm goes off and you know you've got to do all of that again? What is the mentality like there? The good thing was every day was so different. You know, every day you're meeting a new group of people and yeah. or a new person and you're in a new new town or a new yeah. area and so you're like, oh, I get to see something new. Yeah. Um, and I was really focused. You know, I was like this. And at the end of the day, I kind of blanked out what the afternoon would be. I always thought 
your goal is just a marathon at the end of the day. You know, I broke my days down into great, good, and get the F through it, right? So yeah. it was a great day. It was you'd run a marathon. It would feel cool. You would be in a positive headspace. You'd finish, you'd do something productive. Yeah. You'd eat well. And then a good day was just like it got a bit cloudy, but you'd still kind of, you know, get yourself through it. And then, a, a, you know, then there'd be days where you'd wake up and you'd just feel completely overwhelmed with the distance mm-hmm. ahead of you. It's pouring down with rain. It just wasn't fun. You didn't have anyone to run with. There was nothing like captivating about your scenery because as beautiful as Australia is, there's such a large chunk that's just like just nothing, you know, yeah. just paddocks <laughs> of nothing for, for days. And so, yeah, yeah you, get, you get both really. And yeah. on those days, you just kind of like, come on, just head down, bum up, just go. Yeah. Wow. Just focus on your why. Yeah. Yeah. Were there That's any days that come to mind that were like incredibly challenging? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that I relied, I didn't realize how reliant we are on internet until it's completely mm. taken away from you. Mm. Um, there was a day in the Cape where um, I got, I didn't get lost, but the way that I was going to go was there was a there was a river through it and you can't cross rivers in the Cape because they've got too many crocs. Yeah. This was a big river. You, you like you were never going to go through it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to do like a 24k detour. Um and oh. then like so far. Um and there's no way to tell anyone where you're going. And I had luckily I had Raya with me on my bike, on his bike, sorry. Um Raya's my partner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we fell short by that 24Ks from the rendezvous point. And so mm. I had to, I, my plan was to hitchhike to that rendezvous point, um, pick up the car and come back and get right because the, the bike wouldn't fit in the car mm. that I that we pulled over. Um, so this beautiful family picked me up. I left Rye in the middle of the Cape, just on the side of a dirt road, nothing, no water. <laughs> and I was like, it's okay, I'll be back in 20 minutes. I'm just going to go get the car. So I got hitchhiked to the spot. And when I, when I got dropped off at the spot that was on the Google Maps, um, there was no one there because I had um, my mum and dad with me for the first few weeks during that cape. They had gone into the bush to try and find me but um, weren't at the rendezvous point. So I had no water. I'd been running for six hours by this point. I waited there for an hour and a half, no cars, no help. Ride been just up the road on the side of the road and eventually had to hitchhike again back up to him just just so we were together. Yeah. Um, and then pay this truck that finally pulled over like 50 bucks to, dro- to drop us all. Anyway, long story, but we got home to camp at like 6 p.m. And I just remember thinking that, and that was only like day three. Mm. It's like this is so hard, not having internet's hard. And from that day forward, we said, okay, we need to have a plan A, a mm-hmm. plan B, and a plan C. Because we only had a plan A and that was meet at the rendezvous yeah. point at this time. And when something went wrong, it, it all kind of crumbled. So oh. very early lesson. That's yeah. scary. It was terrifying. That is scary. I've got, like, yeah. I've got videos of the moment where I was just waiting on the side of the road. I'm all teary and I'm covered in oh. dust and I'm thirsty and I'm like, this is going to fail. It's only a day three. <laughs> Gosh. That's, wow. Yeah, that's really scary. And, you know, in my mind I'm like, I just want to give up. I'd want to just go home and like be done with it that was too much what yeah I just I guess there's just such a strong mentality that you have and that I guess so many endurance um athletes do have that is just so different from the everyday person um 
what is that? What is different between you and someone that's just like, I'm just happy with doing, you know, a 5K every day. Like that's, I'm happy with that. Like what is the difference do you think? I don't know. It's hard to describe, isn't it? I think it's mm. lots of little things. But for yeah. me, it's it's because I'd just come off the back of three failed marathons that I'd, you know, mm. put out to the world and been like, I'm running Berlin. And yeah. And then I remember sitting there going, Is this really the moment where you can't is can you really not go any further? Is this mm. it? And when you really ask yourself, you're like, I can probably even start running again tomorrow. I yeah. can probably do 10Ks tomorrow. Yeah. And I don't know if it's determination or stubbornness or just a like mm. really wanting to really wanting to have um achieve something big that drove mm. me forwards and yeah I think my 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 determination and my why changed throughout the run I remember at the start because I'd quit my job sold my mm. car given up the, the lease on my beautiful Brunswick apartment gently encouraged my partner to, to quit mm. his job leave his football team get my dad to take long service leave so he could help me in the Cape with the four drive mechanics. My mum came and rode the bike next to me to carry water because there was no water up there um, and food. There's no, like, there's no servos, you know, it's just yeah. it's just, just stations. Um, for then everybody to, and, you know, sponsors finally came on board for to have done 12 months worth of work, gotten three other people to give up their life mm. just for me to then quit three days in, just I had the weight of everybody else's support on my shoulders and it drove me forwards so well. Um, Yeah, and then I think as I got closer to the record, that drove me. Mm. And then when I broke the record on day 107, that was the hardest moment of all. Like it was the best moment, but then the next three days were the hardest because I'd lost that like personal why, that like – you know, self-driven goal had disappeared. And I remember having to tell myself that that you're out here to get to Melbourne. You're not out there before. You didn't even know this world record existed, that the dream was to get to Melbourne. And the reason is for wildlife. They're still here, Mm -hmm. but I had to like click that back into gear and, and reframe. Yeah. Reframe what I was thinking about. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And, you know, you've had 150 days of nonstop. And now you're not running, um, you know, a marathon every day. I mean, I hope you're not, but what what is, what, how is it like, you know, adjusting back to normal life and a a slower pace of living? I'm sure that would have been quite difficult. Yeah, it was really hard at the start because Mm. like I said, my days were so emotionally and physically draining, but Mm. I was used to running at 200%. Mm. And I did for the first couple of days afterwards, my family had all flown in. I was like, ah, you know, yeah. and then I remember dropping them off at the airport and just sleeping for like four hours in the middle of the day. And, and then after that, it got really hard because I wanted to leverage the momentum from tip to toe. Mm. And I wanted to, mm. I was already ready to think about the next thing, but my body wasn't there. I would kind mm. of go to sleep at 10 o'clock and wake up at 1 PM. And I remember I was just really frustrated every day because I just couldn't do what I wanted to do and I would say it took two weeks to go just you just need to relax like you just need to settle down and now what are we six weeks out or five weeks out my body is slowed down and my mind is slowed down and Mm. yeah it's almost like okay we can do some things now but I'm just in this like first gear I'm still sleeping 10 and a half hours 10 hours a night um and I'll go for a run now. And if I do a run, it'll set me back like two days. So I have to just, it's like so surprising 
what it yeah. takes out of you. So I bet yeah. it all kind of just catches up with you, I'm sure, because when you're doing it, you've just got to power through and now you're finally mm-hmm. like, okay, my body can like adjust and settle down and, yeah, I wonder how long that will take. I don't know. Hopefully not forever. <laughs> I'm always ready to like start moving again, but it's been good. I get to, like, I don't have to get up at five and run. I can yeah. get up and go get a coffee and I can yeah. go for a walk on the beach and mm-hmm. I can, yeah, I can go to the gym and not worry about what I do. It's like, it's just, it's nice to not have a focus for a little while. Um, yeah. 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 That is. You said like you want to do things and you've got ideas, like, what are those ideas? Like, is it to do with running or is it something else? Uh-huh. I think like what I did learn out there was that I want to do more for sustainability. When you realize how dire the situation is, I think that's what I want to focus on going forwards. Um, and yeah, so my ideas are surrounding, I guess, sustainability. They're surrounding like wildlife and and I guess action in that space I want to lean back on um the reason I got into nutrition which was like actual nutrition for, for athletes or for runners or for people that in the just in the movement space mm. um and I mean yeah I've, I've already kind of got the like rough idea for the next adventure but it's in the early days my partner is editing a film based off the back of this because he's a filmmaker. So he had wow. his, his project out there, and I think this is the the sole reason he was quite happy to take six months out of his life is because, yeah, he captured it and is yeah. now turning it into an adventure film. So I yeah. can't really throw on the next thing until he's finished. Yeah. He, yeah. His pitch is not over yet, if that makes sense. He's still editing. Yeah. He's still doing it. Oh, well, all so of your exciting. content is so amazing. I was going through your Instagram just this morning, I'm like, it's all so incredible. How the hell did she have time to do this? But clearly you had really great help. So that was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was all him. I mean, not all him. I would obviously like help. We would come up with the ideas together and I would write the, you know, it was all my words, but yeah. the shots and the editing, yeah, it's not not my strength. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't wait to watch this film. Yes, it's, same. Shots. It looks so unreal. unreal. I'm like, is that me? I look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so good oh my goodness how can we all you know support I guess better sustainability wildlife obviously donating um yeah what is yeah. the best steps for us I guess it's not it's not just about donating I mean donating um like I had a fundraising goal because it's, you know that was something to strive towards and it helps yeah. on the society but there's so many things you can do I mean the obvious thing is reducing like reducing single-use consumption and that can be for it through everything it could be through clothes or plastics or you know the things that you buy that you, you just consumer awareness is probably the number one thing um mm. I'm obsessed with this guy on Instagram at the moment I can't remember but he's in Indonesia and he just spends his whole days like cleaning up the rivers and like the single, oh. the plastic and the junk that's in the world is just like, oh. Um, yeah. And I guess as well, just like thinking about how your actions affect the environment. So a big one is watching the roads when you drive. I mean, there's an, mm. an animal, a native animal is hit every second, you know. Cats yeah. outside at night if you, live in a, if you live in a bush space. I mean, suburb, suburbia is a bit different. But if yeah. you have an environment where, you know, that could be damaging or, yeah, there's, there's so many different ways thinking about your, your I guess, superannuation choices your banking choices all those things there's you know so many green options these days and yeah, yeah there's, there's there's hundreds of ways and then I guess importantly if if um 
it's not so much the environment, but one of the reasons I felt so strong in this is that no, not the most amount of people told me I could do it. So if you see someone, particularly a young girl, who's like, I want to do this, just get behind it. Like, yeah. let's support each other. I mean, yeah, there's, it's, it's, there it doesn't need to just be one person succeeding. Everyone can succeed mm. together. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not your success won't take from someone else's success. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been so inspiring to chat to you. Um, but just it's been so interesting to hear exactly how you went about your journey and the mindset that you had to get into to complete it, um, but also hearing about your why. That is always the most interesting thing to hear, I think. Um, so, yeah, we just are so, so grateful that you said yes to coming on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, literally took weeks because I just slept. Like I'm, I'm like a little bit articulate now. I mean, I could probably, be, but back then I was not articulate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been very articulate today. Yeah, you've been very articulate. <laughs> ten out of ten. Honestly, ten, out of ten articulation. Yeah. yeah. We can't wait to to see what what goes on over the next few months for you. I think that your yeah your purpose is so strong, and it's so great to see somebody like yourself doing so many beautiful, beautiful things. And especially for wilderness, like the wilderness society, like it's so important in Australia, like to be backing that stuff because you're right. Like, we you know, if we have kids and our kids have kids and whatever, like we want to, you know, grow up in a place or we want them to grow up in a place that's similar to what we grew up in. So it's so great. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. That's, that's it. And the why, if I do anything in the future, when, I'd do anything in the future. The why won't change. So that's really exciting. I've got yes. this why. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. It can it can drive me forwards. It's just the adventures that can can change and grow. So yeah. no, thank you so much. It's been such a fun chat. It's been yeah, really good to talk to you both. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 